Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Welcome, sentient beings. <laughs> or as close as you might be. Yes. I thought I'd try something different than drifters this time. What? Drifters is good. All right. Drifters is good. Right. Well, for those of you that are not sentient beings and just consider yourself drifters, welcome. Uh, I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Charles. Seth is there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about the cabinet of curiosities right now. Seth has drifted away. Like, and just rocking back and forth. But this is Stu. Mine's Stu. <laughs> Stu, <laughs> and if you're a uh, longtime listener of the show, Stu will be very familiar. He's uh, a frequent frequent and popular guest. Um, so today, uh, as you've probably surmised by the fact that Stu is here, we're going to be talking about some horror stuff. And... Yes. Uh, so specifically, uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, which uh, is out now on Netflix. It's a uh, <clears throat> series of eight episodes, uh, sort of an anthology horror series. Um, and so we're going to talk about this, uh, kind of get everybody's opinion. And it looks like Jenna is just chomping at the bit to jump in here. I see the smiling face because Jenna's a horror aficionado. Oh, I am. And here's the thing. So is Guillermo del Toro. He yeah. is he has a lifelong love of genre, story. Uh, he has, actually has his own museum down in Mexico, I think. Oh, it's I in Mexico. I know he's got a museum. I'm just not sure where it is. But um, you could tell by the way he did the intros, walking in to discuss the beginning. Like, he was definitely kicking the ode, I feel like, or at least fulfilling that dream of being like uh, an Alfred Hitchcock yeah. or um, Twilight Zone sure. to, to be able to introduce <clears throat> that mm -hmm. to me, I was just so happy for him that someone who has such a passion, it felt like achieved a dream of his. Yeah. And that intro with that cabinet, I want one of those. How do right. I get a freaking yeah. cabinet like that? Yeah. And, and it's all practical effects with that cabinet. Like, yeah. They I gotta could've... talk to uh, my uh, contractor. Maybe he can build me one. I mean, I I <laughs> felt like he, this was an excuse because he always wanted it too, and now it's been built, and now it's in his home. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just right. disappeared from the set. Netflix right. is like, "Hey, where's our cabinet?" And he's just like, "I don't know." <laughs> That's what the Bolo right. uh, Deadpool suit. Yeah. Right. Well. You know, what was kind of cool about it was for, for, I think, Linda and I was the fact that, you know, when we went to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas this year, the uh, 
uh, lower level of the hotel, they had a cabinet of curiosities bar. Mm-hmm. And um, so you'd go in there and it was actually a, a speakeasy. Um, so mm-hmm. you'd go in and, and there was a regular bar there. And then along the back wall, they had all these, this wood cabinetry that went along the whole length of the wall. And then they had all these strange artifacts in there, um, skulls and sculptures and, you know, you name it. And then each one had a number by it. And you could go to your phone and download their app. And then when you go into the app, you put in the number that was by the artifact that you saw on the shelf. And then it would come up with the whole story behind the artifact. And whether it was haunted or where it came from or how they found it or whatever. And it was very cool. That is cool. Found myself spending a lot of time just going there and putting in the numbers just to see what the different ones were. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it it uh, it sort of helped bring that whole cabinet of curiosities story to life for us, having having been in that restaurant or that bar and do that. And then, of course, the speakeasy part of it, there was like a door that was like a uh, a vault uh, uh, <laughs> in a bank, you know. And um, you had to make an appointment to get in there. And then you would go into the bar and you'd sit down and have some drinks. And then at some point, a phone on the left side of the um, vault door would ring. And you'd have to go over and answer the phone. And then they would ask you for the passphrase. And if you got the passphrase, then the vault door would unlock and open. And and then you could go into the inner sanctum. Mm. So. But we, were only, we were there the last night, I think, our last night there. And so we didn't have time to make reservations and do that part of it. Have any, have any of you ever been to the safe house in Milwaukee? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, we have. We of have. all the people. Yes, Bill. Yes, exactly. Yes. That was very cool. And in fact, that was the, uh, that was the restaurant that uh, Zach and Audie almost walked out of. Yeah, because they something about they didn't want to be asked the question to get in or something. Right. There's the cabinet of curiosities oh, yeah. bar. Yeah, and there's the there's the vault <laughs> door, and then uh, just a very small. You can almost see the the phone. It's an old time old time looky phone, uh, right just to the left of the vault door there. Yeah. And then you can see I've got my phone and I'm looking at the uh, the cabinets along the back wall there. They had cabinets, they had drawer uh, doors at the bottom that you could open and see the different artifacts. So anyway, if you're there, that was at the uh, Bally's um, Hotel in Las Vegas is where that was. Yeah. Um, I might be going there in April, so that, that, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I definitely encourage you to check it out. They do like craft cocktails there, so it's kind of like an Alice place. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so very good. But What was interesting to me is as I was doing a little background research on the um, on the series is that the yeah. term cabinet of curiosities comes from, yeah, that these used to be very popular attractions or, or just, or just home um, indulgences yeah. in, in, in Europe during the enlightenment. And mm-hmm. a lot of the great museums that are still extant in Europe started as cabinets of curiosities. The, the British museum was a, wow. a cabinet of curiosities and there, and there's still a room in the British museum. If you go there, cause they call it the enlightenment room now, but, uh-huh. That is still laid out very much like the room that you were just showing us, Bill. Interesting. Yeah, well, uh, when we were there, uh, again, we went to that Cabinet of Curiosities bar. I thought that it was related to the show because at the time there had been a lot of advertising about this show coming out on Netflix. And I thought, oh, wow, they actually got a 
a bar that's themed after that. I thought this must they're really going whole hog air, but they said no, it's no, no relation, just happens to be a coincidence. So Yeah. Okay. But they'll probably get really popular now. Oh, they weren't I, would, already. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. So uh let's uh let's kind of go around the horn uh and see of the uh episodes which one was everybody's favorite. So <laughs> Let's start with Jenna. Oh, that's hard. Um, because they all are so different. Yeah. I will say, how about, I won't say which was my favorite. Because that, um, but then I can't say, I was going to say which one creeped me out the most. But like, several of them were super which, creepy. Which one creeped you out the most? That's That's what's hard. I would say, you know, the autopsy. It was. It's. It has to be yeah. between the autopsy and Pikmin's model is yeah. what creeped me out the most because the autopsy is body horror. Yeah. And you're, and, and claustrophobic, and you're just like no. And then when scalpel, no. Right. But then Pikmin's model was really good for the paranoia and yeah. uh, the end. Are we doing spoilers? Are we sending the spoiler alert? Uh, let me do that because uh, I think we should get into spoilers here because there's so much to talk about on these shows. Um, and uh, I really, uh, really want to get into them. Yeah, I Figman's model is just, whoa. we had to watch something funny afterward, especially because, you know, I'm a new mom and I just couldn't help but say that that had to be some really dark magic that could cause a mother to do that to her child mm -hmm. or it was exploding the worst part because you know pigman kept saying this isn't all of us it just caused what little thing inside of her to get out of control so yeah that was to me really dark that it could make yeah. anybody do that something to that level right right and and i loved uh, the performance by um God, what was his name? The guy that pay, played Marty McFly's father in uh, Back to the Future. Crispin uh, Glover. Yes. Um, yeah, I li loved his performance in that. Uh, mm -hmm. He was real good. Yeah. Very, very creepy. And, uh, I, you know, I liked, uh, I liked pretty much everything about that uh, episode. And then, again, Jenna, to your point, uh, the, uh, the autopsy one. Yeah, that was one of the one of the most creepiest ones for me, uh, just due to the body horror and you know the uh, the guts, or I guess the the ability of that autopsy doctor to do what he did to himself at the end, oh. prevent that entity from you know going on and taking over more and more people was just that was horrifying to me the thought of being trapped in your mind too like able to feel everything because that was what was awful too that you're trapped with it you don't just die you're yeah. there until he leaves you so you have to witness all the awful things that he does and be right. a part of it right right yeah. it's it's really similar to the same solution that father damien takes at the end of the exorcist where he says you know, mm -hmm. take me, you know, have the demon come into me and oh. then I'm going to kill myself. And I, and at least in theory, I'm going to off the demon. All right. Yeah. Right. Well, all right. 
let's let's jump over to Stu. Stu, what what was your thought? What were your uh, favorite or well, most horrific episodes? And well, the the, the, the creepiest episode for me, um, and in fact, the one I, I texted the group saying this this show needs multiple trigger warnings uh, was was graveyard rats. Oh yes, yeah. that's going to trip a lot of phobias with a lot of people. That's right. If, if you're just looking, if you're looking for wall to wall jump scares, that's that's the one right there. I, I know people who are. <laughs> I mean, people who do life saving. One of my friends from high school is a fire chief at a in a, um, at Western Nebraska, uh -huh. and that that show would have sent him. He would have left the room. He, really? he could not have he could not have made it through that through that show. There's the, there's, there's no doubt. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's the best one of the group, but it was certainly very thought provoking. Um, <clears throat> one thing that impacted me about the entire the entire season really is there is a there's a certain shade of Lovecraft through many, if not most, of, of the episodes. Mm -hmm. Because two of the episodes are, are um, explicitly, you know, they're named after a Lovecraft story and they are cited as having a Lovecraft in um, as, well, yeah. as, as I mean, they had Miskatonic University in one of them, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, those, those two, um, Pinkman's Model and Dreams, Dreams in the Witch House. House. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, those are both uh, Lovecraft titles. Uh, the 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 seventh the seventh episode which we'll, we'll probably talk about a little little bit later. Um, that is basically a, a Lovecraft story called "The Color Out of Space." That's uh, almost yeah. almost identical. But my my and and I've I've got to I've got to mention, and hopefully we'll, maybe we'll come back to this with with uh, with maybe Jenna and Linda because I think there are a lot of issues that are more specific to women's experience in episode four with you know, the, the outside. But I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that, I'm glad that included um, Kate Micucci is one of my favorite people, and I was I was I was I glad to her. see. Yeah, right, she, she, she's absolutely fantastic. But my my favorite episode of the of the bunch, really, and Jenna uh, speaking it to you again as um, you, you mentioned your experience as a parent, my favorite episode of the season is is the murmuring is is, is the last episode. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, very that much. Was one so. of my least favorite. Well, and, and really? my, my reason, part of my reason is, is from my is from my folklore background, because um, that that experience of the ghost, because uh, it's mm -hmm. it, that's probably the least Lovecraftian of the of the series, or, or close to it. Um, it's much more it's a much more traditional ghost story. It was yeah. one of the two mm -hmm. one of the two episodes. The, the the first and the last episode were both based on stories by Del Toro himself, so they're closest to his, you know, may, maybe his vision. Um, it's a, certainly a, it's a soft it's the softest story. In the bunch, probably. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. or, or arguably, arguably, and it's more and just and yeah, you know, Bill, you've seen me lecture on on ghosts before. It's probably the closest to uh, the archetypal <clears throat> experience of a haunting, mm -hmm. as outlined by folklorists like Diane Goldstein, where people experience ghosts because they resonate with some feeling of guilt or incompleteness mm -hmm. in their own lives. Even if it was, even if it's not related to the ostensible sure. ghosts themselves, it's, it, it, it has something to do with something that they're working through themselves that the haunting, uh, that the haunting relates to. And that's huh. you, you, you're, you're, so yeah, the, the, um, the fifth episode is essentially, um, a ghost story as as gestalt therapy. It was it was it, it, it was really impressive. It was I thought it was well acted. Um, for anyone who's ever been through relationship stress, yeah, it certainly portray that very well. Where neither part you 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 just can't understand where the other person is coming from. Some sometimes, 
Yeah, and the uh, the male actor in that the uh, the husband was uh, the lead actor from uh, The Walking Dead. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, I thought the acting was excellent in it. It just uh, it just moved awfully slow for my liking. Was the only thing. And, and see, and I, that that's where perspective comes in because I'm 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 a, I'm a Bergman fan. Okay. So I, slow moving is fine. Yeah, I also have thoughts on the murmuring. Go. Well, that the murmuring for me gets gets my vote as creepiest. Really? Uh huh. It was, dead children freaked death out. No, it was the <laughs> slow paced nature of it. Because mm-hmm. it was slow paced, and they were it was always, always, always building tension, mm-hmm. and it was always with things that you had to be paying attention to catch. <laughs> Like whenever she'd be listening to the birds and she'd hear noises mm-hmm. and you weren't really sure if you heard the noises, like mm-hmm. you were like with her in that. And they also spent so long just not showing the ghosts yeah. and letting that tension build that when you finally actually see a, the real ghosts, it is almost a pressure relief seeing them and going, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can see the ghost. That's uh, so like that. It just built so much tension for me that I was thoroughly spooked out and on the edge of my seat. Just, oh. yes. but now that one was that was not my least favorite. Um, oh. My least favorite. Had to be episode seven. Yeah, the viewing. I concur, hundred <clears throat> percent. Yeah, like, I can right. see. I can see what you're saying, and like now that you said it, Stu, I can see that that's the supposed to be the color out of space. But I mean, I've I've read the story and I've watched a a good. Adaptation of it, like was it the adaptation of the color in space, was fantastic. I thought. Which which adaptation was that, Seth? I'm sorry. Uh, Nick Cage's. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Have you seen that one? I have not. Oh god, it's good. It's It's crazy. Like it, I thought that did as good of a job as bringing the color out of space into the modern day as is possible. Uh, And it. It that yeah, Nick Cage. That movie goes fully off the rails in the way that in the in a good way, in the Lovecraft way, like huh. in, in a Nick Cage way and in a Lovecraft way, and it just worked. Like Nick Cage did a few horror pictures recently that are all <laughs> supposed to be great, but yeah, the viewing, yeah, just... Uh, it just felt like they were setting up a lot of <clears throat> plot threads in the beginning that just did not matter at all right and the ending like i thought they were going one way with the the we the science everyone analyzing the thing and i was like okay this is interesting and and then the monster thing happens and i'm just like well i don't fucking care about this anymore because nothing apparently mattered and it was just an excuse for some weird gore yeah yeah yeah, i I concur yeah and the parts I realize this is science fiction. I realize we we deal in 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 genres where we have you know fairies and vampires and the whole bit. But 
that line of uh, yeah, and here's here's you know Peter Weller, you know Buckaroo Bonsai, RoboCop. Yeah, you know you can say what you want, but they were never really irrational. Um, that line where he says this material is not on the periodic table. Of all the things you could say, there's one. I'm I'm sorry, I I have a, I cannot abide <clears throat> that. That's that's not that is not possible to exist in the in the universe without being on the periodic, unless it was so heavy it would fall right through the floor and there's nothing you could do about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, yeah, I mean, I grant the grant that's, that, that's kind of a, of a, a, a quibble, but, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really with Seth though. I mean, I think they were sort of halfway going for the same situation as you were going with in, um, in from dusk till dawn, you know, where suddenly you there just, you know, you have a big genre shift. Everything just, just cuts loose. Mm-hmm. But you can get away with that when it's George Clooney, and and um Har- and Harvey Keitel and the and the, and the whole and and Cheech and the whole crew doing it, where it's just pure personality and and, and you just go off the rails. You can't get get through. You can't get away with it with this. I mean, if Peter Peter Weller was expertly cast. If you want someone who's just an absolutely placid, mm-hmm. yeah, no no emotion whatsoever, void. He does that as well as anyone alive. I actually mean that as a compliment. Um, I, I was glad to see. Charlene Yee back. I remember her from from House. I, I really I've always enjoyed her, and she was she was appropriately cast. But no, no, it, it was a it was pretentious. There was a lot of informed informed attributes because you you never hear the musicians' music. No, right. Mm-hmm. You never see the writers' writing. Right. You see you see the wealth of of Peter Weller, but big deal. I, I live right. I, I live down the street from Warren Buffett. Okay, don't right. don't talk to me about and that. You, and you hear from the uh, the uh, astrobiologist. As she's trying to analyze, question the different properties of the rock, or the. Like that's the point where I thought we were going somewhere. Yeah. yeah, and even like even up to the very end, I had a little bit of hope that they would turn it around and it would just like they'd all like the two survivors would just like wake up on the couch. Yeah, uh, like with their minds having been expanded, but having to live with this horrible new like reality where they survived this and everyone who died in the room is dead in real life. I thought that could have, you know, done something to help this, but no. Yeah. Or even if they'd have, if they'd have cut and short, cut short a lot of the, you know, cocaine scenes and the, marijuana scenes and the alcohol scenes in the in the lounge area and instead these guys in taking them into the room and then we could have seen maybe the musician try to see if the his musical tones can resonate off the rock right right? or maybe the guy could tell some fabulous story talk to the rock and try to wake it up and and each one tries their own way of doing it and then it could still be the accidental case where the guy blows marijuana smoke at it and the rock goes, you Insane. know, postal. Um, it, it was, you know, uh, as he's tripping, trying to, like, get out of the room, the musician stops to snuff, snuff as much cocaine as he can. Because this, <laughs> he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Trauma. Also, that was a bad joke, too. I didn't, didn't care for that. Like, <laughs> the... Uh, like, how much cocaine did Peter Weller do in that? Oh, my God. He would have been dead. He would have been you dead with half that. I don't know much about cocaine, but that's a lot of cocaine, right? Yeah. See, here's the thing. I almost feel like it was 
commentary on the rich persons. Um, obviously, he likes unique experiences. He likes things that no one else has. And he likes creating these moments. And he, he's very self-indulgent. And his gluttony, in a way, takes him to this point where he gets the ultimate unique experience of all. And that's becoming the host for this yeah. worldly creature. Yeah. And, and all of the, the, the other actors, the buildup of who they were was just to help. It wasn't about them. It was to illustrate how this is a man who can get anything and everything he wants. Yeah. That's actually, that's a, I didn't make it to the end of these, but uh, so, but I've got a question because it looked to me from watching the first couple that n the main character, the, the haunted characters or whatever, were not likable to start out with. Uh, Does that thing fall through? Some, in some situations, yeah. Like lot thirty six, you're he's the the person who's haunted is definitely an asshole, and graveyard rats kind of follows that. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean the autopsy, the outside, uh, Pickman's model, uh, dreams in the witch house, those all had much more relatable and non asshole protagonists. Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the murmuring has. Yeah, 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 Charles. It, it, as you go through it, the murmuring, I thought had that's probably the strength mm -hmm. of, the, of the episode was that extremely relatable for protagonist. We we've all either been those people or we know those people very well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but Charles, with the ones that you did see, because I mean, we haven't really spoken to Lot Thirty Six very much, but right. I really liked Lot Thirty Six. I thought right. it picked up really well. Yeah. Good show. The only the only question I had was um, well. The They'll let Charles speak to what he oh, thought. Oh, no, no idea. I, I'm, I'm just long for the ride today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the, the, the question I had, though, about Lot 36, and uh, it is specifically regarding the, the guy that died. He's got this storage locker, right? And there's something mm -hmm. he's keeping in the storage locker. Um, the storage locker goes up for auction because the guy dies. He owned it. Nobody's paying on it. Nobody comes to claim it. So it goes up for auction. And uh, this very unlikable uh, loser ends up winning, buying it and winning it. And uh, we come to find out that the, the guy who died, he's been going into the storage locker to feed this demon that he's captured. And he was a former Nazi and into the occult and all this kind of stuff, right? And we know uh, they, they lead us down the road that there's something strange going on here, by the way, that the, the um, dead guy uh, had gone in and out of the storage locker. And we see this through uh, videotapes that the owner of the storage facility shares with this um, creepy guy that, that ended up buying the locker. So you see the old man come and he, he uh, turns on the lights in the hallway and then he goes up and he does like four hops before he opens up the locker and goes in. Then when he comes out and he closes, it, he does four more hops before he shuts off the lights and leaves. But we never hear anything more about that. And the guy who gets yeah. the locker never ends up doing any hopping to go in and out. And he's fine until he finds the demon and crosses the uh, the. Uh, what is it? The, the pentagram on the floor, right? And and scuffs the uh, the sand out of the pentagram, which lets the demon out. So, I mean, what the hell was the hopping all about? I right? thought the hopping, whoever, whatever it was in there, know he was coming. 
But I think that would have made more sense if it was loose. Like I kept expecting whatever in there was in there to be loose. Oh, and, yeah. con- and he was letting it know that I'm I'm here. Right. So when else were to come up, it wouldn't. <laughs> it so obviously that's not it. Yeah. I, I'm not even remembering that. Is that is that me? Do you think he was maybe jumping so he didn't scuff the sand as the? No, as the, no, no. Because this was outside before he even got into the locker. Before he even opened up the the you know the garage door for the locker. So you know, I just I, I kept expecting that to come into play as soon as the guy won the bidding in the locker. He you know he 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 got it. He got the key. He went over. He unlocked it and he went in. And I thought, okay, he's already violated some sort of ritual thing that this guy has developed in order to keep this demon contained. Uh, but that turned out seemingly not to be it at all. So, and the other thing was I, I kind of figured out that, you know, when the guy dies, we see him chopping up some animal with a, with a butcher knife in the kitchen. Right. And uh, ends up, dropping some of it on the floor and when he bends over to pick it up he has a heart attack and that's how he dies and i figured out later on that he must have been chopping up that animal to take to feed to the demon to keep it alive right and then that's why when they go in there the demons looks pretty emaciated because it's obviously been several several days since anybody's been in to feed it probably maybe several weeks i suppose however long it takes them to to decide that nobody's paying on the locker and it to go up for auction so so i figured that part out but i never did figure out the hopping thing that just kind of disturbed me but i did like the episode overall actually i thought there was i took that as you know we're expected to believe that there's probably some additional rituals that he does i mean it is what it is like you're dealing with there's probably a shit ton of extra like safety procedures you could do Maybe that was just it. I thought the more important question was they said the fourth book only burns up when the transaction has been fulfilled. Right. Yeah. And then the book burned up. And so I was curious what tra- what was the transaction expectation? What right. had been fulfilled? Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? I'm right. guessing the demon taking uh, the life of whoever crossed the line or something. But but there has to be an exchange. So what was the demon the- supposed to? Yeah, what the Nazi guy get? Yeah, long life, escape to America. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, so that's it. Um, I I think you're right. I think so. He, the demon, had already given him what he had wanted. Yeah. But didn't fulfill the transaction, which is then once it was done, the demon was loose. That's why it burned up. Okay, that makes sense. But you know, the the other interesting thing was is that. You know, they made a point of um, that um, guy who was an expert in the occult, uh, that former uh, German, uh, when he's talking to this guy who bought the locker and he's explaining how the guy that owned it came from a very wealthy family. Um, They had tons of money and tons of influence and power. Uh, But when we see him, you know, he's looks like he's living in a trailer home eating TV dinners. And, you know, um, it's definitely not living an opulent lifestyle. And so whatever he got from the demon, it doesn't seem to have helped him much. It seems to be just the opposite where, Mm. you know, he. Yeah, I think that's a that's a recurrent theme in soul of the devil soldier soul of the devil type of um, narratives (laughs) is that you get you you get the devil gives you exactly what you what you wanted. 
but then the cut co- either the cost is, is so is much more profound than you thought or yeah you, or you didn't want the right thing the thing and the thing you want probably ends up leading you to ruin yeah in some but then way. why he kept the demon around for so long <clears throat> well, it was in his sister yeah, yeah but it was in his sister and i mean yeah he also if you want to make sure a demon stays where you put it that's a job you do yourself. You don't leave that to a contractor. You wake up with a demon over your head one night. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, Linda, but, was... oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, but, but, um, before we get out of here, I, I want to talk a little bit about about, about episode four because I don't think we really discussed it very much at all. Um, what got I, I enjoyed it. It was it was interesting to watch. What I kept thinking, and I hate to be too PC for Collected Driftwood, but um, that if I had written that. I would be considered profoundly misogynistic. But I'm looking at the at the episode, and it was that's the um, outside episode. Yeah. Yes. And it was based on a text by a woman. the The teleplay was written by a woman, and the director was a woman. So it's it's hard to really call it misogynistic. What 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 do you what do you think about? I mean, but it certainly gives such a such a bad impression. Of women, what, what, what? How, how, how do you reconcile? I didn't read it as a bad impression of women. I just read it as her going crazy. Well, I think, um, okay, so we've trained women to to want the, you know, best of everything, clear skin, pretty face, all this. I mean, it's just. I guess it did. I didn't see it as misogynistic. I saw it as normal. I'm so damn used to it now. It doesn't mm. even doesn't even phase me anymore. But yeah, it's she's in, she's seeking uh, to perfection. be beautiful and perfection, right? She's seeking to be perfect. And meanwhile, her husband the whole time is like, "You're fine. You're absolutely fine, like yep. you are." And mm. then to, at the end, spoiler alert, to have her turn into the very thing that she, you know wanted to be was i thought that was a weird ending <laughs> I, I thought that i mean and that's probably if any of them that's my least favorite mm-hmm. because i thought the way they were zooming in on her in the camera at the end she was gonna wake up like we were like gonna see her, but her skin was gonna be all horrible and burned and she was still gonna be sitting in front of her dead husband uh, yeah and no and nothing and Bill, Bill thought she was going to get arrested at the end because, it, I mean, she stuffed him. He's taxidermied. <laughs> she will. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she will. It won't last. I got the impression of um, he actually had a great life. She, I mean, even, yeah, so what? The woman at work didn't like her, but she has a great relationship with her husband. She does the things that she likes. They were happy, but it wasn't good enough for the people the people that she strove to be like, they were obviously not happy with themselves. They're not happy with how they look. They have shitty husbands that they're going to leave, all this stuff. But all they're focused on is looks and striving to be pretty. Yeah. So it's and just, it, it's also- yeah, it was, I, I kind of got the feeling from watching it that the more they went down that road is what forced their lives to go in the toilet basically with their relationships to fail and all this stuff, because all they were concerned about was their looks, the superficial part of it, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, um, it also might've been the cream itself doing that. True. Like she was seemed to have a mind of its own. And that's what started it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they all have a story like hers. 
Right. That's so, kind of what, but, that's kind of the impression I got. But that's the um, that's what you just don't know, especially the way it went at the end. Is it all it a weird. fantasy at the end that she thinks has happened? I mean, all yeah. this great stuff. Or it makes you wonder because the 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 way it ended with her just staring at the camera and making all those weird faces. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it was like made me think that you know is this just all in her mind and but I don't know. But it was uh, weird. I uh, really quick before we go, I also want to call out uh, Graveyard Rats. Okay. Cause uh, Stu has mentioned that a lot of these stories have uh, Lovecraftian, uh, Lovecraftian influences. Uh, Graveyard Rats wasn't a Lovecraft story. Uh, Katie could tell me who it was actually was, but it was one of the only one of these that really stuck to like the Lovecraft weird horror formula, and yeah. Uh, cause, oh man, the David, the black church, David Hewlett, uh, the, the, the undertaker. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't recognize him, he was Dr. McKay from, uh, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. And he gave just such a good performance in that one. What I really like is like, they kept the Lovecraftian like uh, speech where the protagonist is going goes on at length in florid detail about the horrors that they're witnessing, and then the person they're talking to being, yeah, it's not all that bad, right? <laughs> right. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get as as Lovecraftian off of that one, except for I mean the the creature with the medallion. That's more Lovecraftian because that's more otherworldly, like this horror beyond understanding mm -hmm. this reminded me a little more of edgar Allan poe okay yeah where, where, where these are very realistic you know ostensibly realistic um threats i mean because we're we're afraid of rats and but yeah. now and, and and then on top of that then you throw in this unbelievably horrid um uh, I, I guess then then you are getting getting lovecraft when, when you end up with a, a road of unusual size <coughs> and 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 then the um, this dead, this um, dead witch priest in the you know, down down in the bowels of the graveyard. Right. Yeah, you know, it's got these incredibly uns these uns yeah. You, you get the point of, of unspeakable horror there. I, I guess I do agree with you, Seth. It's it's a little more Poe than than, uh, than Lovecraft for me, but it's it it, it is certainly close. And if, and if you're looking but for it, the straight up scariest one, I think that's probably the one. I mean, but it hints at Lovecraft horror. I mean, we there's this whole backstory that we can only suspect that, like he falls into this tavern where, or a cavern where, obviously, dark religious, some dark religious force was there, and a very a statue with a very Cthulhu-ish face, and then the body when he took the necklace off that also had a very like similar outline with jewels the the corpse comes alive and says mine like what there's so much more going there that we never get to find out mm -hmm. because it's so focused on his experience and what he knows well yeah and that's kind of lovecraft is like stumbling into something that's beyond the character's ability to handle yeah mentally <clears throat> and just like and also he causes his own ruination so that's very 
on brand as well. That's all. Yeah, I just wanted to call that out because I do like David Hewlett, Hewlett and yeah. I just really liked his performance in that one. I, I want to just mention something that I've discovered here. But, uh, yeah. And maybe everybody else knew this, but uh, Guillermo seems to have had kind of quite an interesting life, including having his father kidnapped. Hmm. Huh. For, uh, yeah, there's if you Wikipedia him, and I kind of did a double check on it, so it looks like it's fairly early. His father was kidnapped, and um, James Cameron uh, helped write a check to get him back. Hmm. Wow. Holy shit. I didn't know that he became famous was it the cartel uh, it was 1997 so yeah he had done he'd done they'd done a movie together of some sort uh after the chronos i guess it was mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah all right and then in 97 his father was kidnapped and it's you know which i think is fairly common i've, I've known some people have gone through something like this too but uh hmm. uh from <clears throat> but anyway, for 72 days, and they had to pay them a couple of times, it sounds like. Hmm. Ah, weird. So that's got it. I, I have to presume that it is modern. Um, that's got to play out somehow in his modern, in, in his more recent movies, I would figure. Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> might, you might be right. I, uh, yeah, yeah, Del Toro is one, is one of my favorites also. I, I was on a horror movie chat board one time with well, a bunch of people who Tend to be kind of a little stuck in the past where um and someone was talking about the creature from the black lagoon and they said yeah, boy they, re they really should remake this movie and i'm sitting there thinking yeah uh, i just typed back um sir they, they they did remake this movie and it won a raft of oscars okay <laughs> and, and, and that's that's del toro's work though he makes them you know that takes this was it in what is very very much a recognizable story yeah and makes it something completely different adding this incredible this fantasy around it which is what they've done. I realize that he didn't direct or have a hit, even perhaps even a lot to do with um, the, the two canonically Lovecraftian episodes here. But what, what interested me, you know, looking them up post ex post facto, because I'm not a, I'm not a Lovecraft person at all is how much of the story has been grafted onto the Lovecraftian core there. I mean, they, they are not by and large even recognizable as, as, as Lovecraft's as adaptations of Lovecraft's work, I mean the, mm -hmm. the 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 main story in Pickman's model, you know about the this, this art student doesn't exist in the in the original at all. Mm -hmm. I mean it's just it's just the anecdote about going to see this this person who does these these incredibly odd paintings, and then the the drama in the witch in the witch's house. The the main story I think we would agree that with the. Um, the dreams in the witch's house was about this brother sister relationship, and that doesn't exist in the in the Lovecraftian story either. So yeah, no, they definitely take the themes and improved upon it. Right. Yeah. 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 They take the theme and really, you know, practically write a story around the the ghoulish, um, otherworldly part that, that Lovecraft dropped in there. Now, Linda, what one did you enjoy the most? What was your favorite? I I don't have a favorite. Um, I just have the one that I absolutely hated, and that was episode seven. <laughs> yeah, we're we're of a mind that was I had. A, yeah. well, it, 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 it was so pretentious. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I like all the other ones. I I, I think they were did, they did a very good job. Yeah, I like the uh, <clears throat> the uh, 
Kaziah Mason, the creature, the way they designed her and the look of that, I thought that was really awesome. They did a really great job on that one. Um, so, mm -hmm. all right. Well, what I like, I think what made the series so good, other than the fact that it was guided by Del Toro, is that his passion to make a lot of his his props and his horror to be real. Yeah. Like when you think about graveyard raps, <laughs> raps, graveyard rats, uh, and Aaron pointed this out too, they actually built the large rat. It, oh, it was a puppet and you don't see that a lot anymore. And although there was computer effects used in other parts, like with the murmuring and birds, yeah. uh, you really got the impression that he, what he, Del Toro brought was this dedication to as much realism as possible and mm -hmm. the horror. Yeah, I mean, once again, look at that cabinet that's at the beginning of every episode. Like mm -hmm. that's that could have been a CGI prop, but yeah. they built the damn thing. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. <clears throat> I hope you get a commission to do this again oh, yeah. next season. Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, I'd watch another season. Oh yeah. And, 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 and what, what one minor dollop that I'll add on that really with Del Toro's touch, you know, in his in his introductions. Which, you know, beyond the cabinet or not, are not in themselves terribly exceptional. But I'm glad that in every introduction, he makes certain to emphasize who the director of this of this episode is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So often that's that's trivia. That's something that only the geeks have to go after. He's putting him out there saying, I'm going to put the name on this one. I'm going to tell you who the creator, who the creator yeah. is. Here. Yeah. That's that, good. That says, that, that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys for weighing in on this. I hope uh, the, our uh, viewers will go out there and uh, give Cabinet of Curiosities a check. Uh, watch the episodes. Let us know what you think in the comments if you liked it and which one you like best uh, and which one, you, if you agree with our uh, uh, number seven, the viewing being uh, the worst of the bunch, we'd like to know that too, or if you think we're way off base on that. Yeah, did, um, did, did, did we have any kind of consensus about which? I, I think we did have a consensus about number seven being Either the, the worst, worst or close yeah. to it. Did we have any kind of consensus as to which was the best? I think this is one of those things where uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to... spread out and it's whatever episode spoke to different people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. right. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next time. We're going to be talking about Werewolf by Night. Uh, so, um, which is on Netflix right now. So be sure to watch that before the show so we don't ruin anything for you. Uh, and on that note, uh, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.